everybody. Welcome back to the FBC Young Adults Podcast. I'm your host, John Lemons, broadcasting from First Baptist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And we are on episode four of our series called Black, White, and Red All Over, a podcast series about the Bible. I'm joined right now, like I've been joined each time, by Tiffany Fanning and Ellen Christian, our two co-hosts. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see we have a special, special guest, Ethan McVeigh, who uh, I have muted. So hold on, I'm going to unmute Ethan so he can say hello to us. What's up, Ethan? How are you doing, buddy? Hey, John. I'm so glad to join you guys today. Yeah, we're super glad to have you with us. Ethan is participating along with us. He's in our little group me, and so we've we've been going through this together. And, and uh, Ethan, we're glad to have you on. As we talk today about the books of Numbers, uh, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. So one of the things we're going to address big uh, right up front today is is really the violence uh, that we encounter in some of those books and that you, we inv- encounter throughout the Bible. One of the most controversial things that you'll find in the Bible and one of the things that as you're talking to people about the Bible that they will tend to bring up a lot of times is, is how violent the Bible is. So we'll talk about that today. But before we do that, Tiffany, Ellen, Ethan, how was your march? Mm. Anybody. Don't, <laughs> don't all go at once. Um, Let's go, Tiffany. Yeah, go. How was your march? I don't know. I don't know that I remember what I did. There were a lot of days that felt like Groundhog Day, and I don't know what day it was or is. I'd wake up on a Monday thinking it was Friday, and I'd be very disappointed. I'd wake up on a Saturday thinking it was a Monday. Very confused. That doesn't... That uh, That's not a good one. What about you, Ellen? How was yours? Uh, it was good. So I had um, the Dolly Parton ice cream, and that was the best thing that happened to me in March. I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. Well... Probably because you are smart and you spend your extra disposable income on necessary things and not $12 pints of uh, Dolly Parton ice cream. Anyway, she, it's $12, it's $12 a pint. I did not buy it. My sister bought it uh, because she has lots of extra disposable Is that how she sends you, you? You buying $12 ice cream is how she sends free books to all the kids that are in Tennessee under Probably. age of five? Well, Jenny's you know, partnered with her and they created this uh, strawberry pretzel salad. But it's not called strawberry pretzel salad because I think other people outside of the South would be like, why is there lettuce in this ice cream? And it's uh, it's just like strawberry pretzel salad. It's got strawberries or like a strawberry cream sauce and um, pretzel, salty, sweet. Where, where do you get this? You can't. You got to order it. Ah, it well, I love strawberry pretzel salad. Oh, my so. gosh. The ice cream is unreal. The it was nice. And it's like a cream cheese ice cream that goes with it. So that was like the best thing that happened. Okay. Well, I now I have to try it. So that sounds amazing. I'm order a twelve dollar pint of ice cream. I, I will let you do that, and then I'll just let you share it with me. So, uh, Ethan, what about you, man? How was your march? Uh, it's been good. Uh, the youth here uh, at church, we all went to spring camp a week ago, which was really exciting. Um, we went down to Laguna Beach in Florida to retreat together, um, and it's just a really special week. A, a lot of the youth were able to engage. In worship in kind of a new and special way. I thought that was really um, fun to be a part of. And then we were at the beach, you know, so we spent a lot of fun time together as well. And then it's March, so there's lots of basketball on, which makes me happy. Uh, I love basketball. I grew up playing basketball, and um, I don't follow a ton of college teams or anything during the season, but uh, during this month, I watch a lot of basketball, and I enjoy it. So it's been a good month. Yeah, for sure. So if, if, if you don't know, if you're watching or listening at home, Ethan is our student ministry resident been here since like August of last year. And if you have listened to the podcast in the past, you know, Sam was previously my co-host. He was our young adult ministry resident, and he's now in Virginia at a ministry job. So Ethan is sort of that same role, but for our student ministry. And Ethan, dude, I didn't know you played basketball. So what position did you play? Well, interesting fact, I'm uh, 5'11", and I've been 5'11 since like the fifth grade. Um, nice. so I grew all at once, uh, all in like one or two years. My parents hated it cause I needed new pants like every month. Um, but for me, it was fun. I had like a foot over everybody else, my grade. And so I was the best forward around for a little while. And then, uh, when seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade rolled around, it started to be like, everyone else is my height. And then by 10th and 11th grade, everyone else was taller and I was just average. So, uh, I joke that, uh, I have experience and skills of a forward, but I have the body of a guard, so I'm kind of in a weird position now, uh, but I love the sport, and it's a lot of fun. Nice. That's awesome, man. That's really good. And and just so everyone at home knows, um, Ethan was talking about spring camp. 
I went to spring camp as a chaperone. It was one of the worst decisions I made in my March, not because it was a bad week, but because when I got down there, I, I saw the schedule and I was like, lights out is at one o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was super late and I had the seventh and eighth grade boys cabin. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, um, they woke me up a time or two and there was a story that was passed around, uh, at camp about one of the mornings where they woke me up, uh, early, early in the morning. And, uh, let's just say it didn't paint me in a good light. So, uh, but anyways, so let's move on to our question for the month, our question for the month. So we've been doing this now for, this is our fourth episode. So fourth month, um, Ellen, Tiffany, specifically you guys, does your spouse even listen to our show? Mine does actually. Nice. So he does. Cause I get feedback from him. Yeah. Sorry. I can't control him. Yeah. He's his yeah. Own. I love you, but <laughs> he's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. He no, does listen. Which is funny. Excellent. It's probably the most he listens to me, and it's on the podcast. That's so. awesome. So after this, we're gonna do like Tiffany's chore list podcast, and that's, that's and right. Gonna, yeah. Or uh, right. subliminal and, messaging. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Jacob, do the dishes, and that's gonna be running yeah. in the back. Nice, Ellen. You had a big fat no, no. when you. No. No, he doesn't. Nice. I, and I don't. It's not like out of. I don't know. He just doesn't podcast period he didn't listen to anything period he's more of like a watcher but even then i don't think he'd sit down and watch youtube nice mm. and ethan is is do you think caroline's going to listen to your performance on our podcast today well, maybe she might she um listens to a lot of podcasts but i don't know if there's enough true crime in this podcast for her to nice inter- be interested but excellent so that's a great segue into my next my next thing because uh, we talked previously on what are some of our recommended podcasts for each of us, and Tiffany had talked about being a fan of true crime, and I guess Caroline is too, so that's cool. Uh, I, during this month, watched uh, on Hulu a series called Only Murders in the Building. Have you guys heard of that? I want to I want to see it. It's really good, and so it's based on this uh, the these two older guys and, and a younger woman that live in this apartment building where there's a murder, and so they do a true crime podcast about it and it's really good it's steve martin and martin short so uh it's actually really good it's not like slapstick you know three amigos type kind of uh comedy but there are a few scenes where they do that and it's really good but it's just a great show and then i've been watching too on 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 netflix um emily and i have have found this show called murderville with will arnett and that's really good too because it's (laughs) they have a script of a of a murder show but they'll bring a guest on each week and so I've seen, I can't remember who the first guest was, but the second, oh, the first guest was Conan O'Brien, the second one was Marshawn Lynch, and the third one that we've seen was, um, I don't know how to say his name, I'm, 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 I'm not going to butcher his name, but anyways, so the, the concept is the guests are not scripted, so they're just improving everything, so there's sort of a loose script for the show, and they sort of present this thing, and the guest is just kind of thrown into it, and and so the the comedy is you know them reacting to everything, and then and then the people reacting to them, trying to keep it on script and things like that. It's actually really good, and it's gotten better with with each one. But that's my assignment for you, Tiffany, is to to watch Only Murders in the Building, and then watch Murderville in well, the next month. I don't have month, Hulu, so that first one's ah, out. But the other one I can nice. do. It's nice. like where we, do you cut off your streaming platforms? Like I want Paramount Plus because I want to watch um, Yellowstone. And that's yeah. also, um, but I'm not going to pay for another streaming service. We already have Amazon Prime and Netflix mm-hmm. and Disney Plus, and we yeah. use my mother-in-law's HBO. So it's like, where do you cut it off? Because then it's as expensive yeah. or more expensive no. than cable. So totally get it. Yeah, we're about to cut our Netflix, which is why we're watching Murderville because we're like, all right, we're done. We're done with Netflix. Um, the only reason we have Hulu is because they did a a special about during Black Friday, ninety nine cents a month. So I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, but we did not start watching anything on Hulu till like February, <laughs> so like we paid for it for three months, ninety nine cents, uh, and then uh, but we we stumbled on Only Murders in the Building was great. So, uh, so from that, we're, you know, we're gonna go from there and talk about uh, the violence in the Bible. So we'll do that here in just a few moments. All right, so we're back, and we are now, like I said earlier, talking about the books of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. Joshua being one of the more 
bloodier books in the Bible. So, you know, we talked about true crime and, and that sort of thing. So I wanted to ask you guys um, what your thoughts on this were. What what do you do? Um, what do you recommend to people who are reading through these books as they try to process all this? Um, Ellen, Tiffany, what do you guys think? <laughs> Something uh, I think to, to keep in mind is the time and place that this was written is very different from the time and place that we're now reading it in. So putting it back in the context of the Israelites were not very good at being obedient. They're very easily sidetracked. And so I don't like where it's all, hey, go in and wipe out every person, every living you know, being from this one community because it seems overly harsh, um, but to give the Israelites that like baseline of it just being them and not being distracted with idols of other people or marrying, you know, the women um, outside of the, the covenant relationship who then bring in pagan rituals um, or then having children who you slaughtered their parents who may harbor ill will. I mean, I certainly would. Um, and then have them rise up against you later. So, I mean, like if you put it in that context, I think you can understand it more, not necessarily that it's more palatable or something easier for you to accept, but um, maybe it puts it into a different frame of reference. Like it's that, I don't think that would apply today. I don't think God today would tell us to go take on um, Mississippi and kill all the Mississippians to inherit the land. Um, I just don't think that's how that would happen. But also I was really looking through some notes today like there are times that God says, hey, this land is specifically for someone else. Don't bother them. It's not for you. Like in Deuteronomy uh, chapter two, verse four, Esau's descendants have land and they may be nervous and jealous of you coming, but that's not your land to take. So you leave them alone. They're going to do what they're going to do. And you stay out of their boundaries because they're relatives. So I think that's, you have to look at that too. Like there are certainly times where God says, this is your land, stay in it. These are the boundaries of your land. Stay within those borders until I tell you like to go take on this other or, you know, even family members outside the direct line of the covenant relationship, you know, because Esau was Jacob's brother. Jacob became Israel and Israel's descendants, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. But he still has land that God said that's for them. And that's, you know, it's for the Esau's descendants and the same for the Moabites. And the Moabites are even one step further removed because Moab was the son of Lot and one of Lot's daughters trying to carry on the line. So yeah, I think that's one way to reframe it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and you are doing there what we've talked about in previous uh, podcast series that we've done where we've talked about interpreting the Bible. You are interpreting the Bible with the Bible, which is an excellent. And, and I think that's what you have to do. It's an excellent thing to do. And it's what you have to do when you read these types of passages or books in the Bible that that kind of revolve around things that that today we we are offended by or, or even just find alarming. Um, so what about you, Ellen? What what issues do you have with this or do you think most people have, you know, how does it, what, what do you take away from it about the character of God? How do you read these kind of stories? Well, what do you think? They're, um, on when they're going in to take the other, the land that God commanded them in, in one piece, there's a word that he says, and gosh, I just sat there and tried to find it. Um, like he already knew that those people were not good. You know what I mean? Like he had already told them that. So it's not like he was telling them to go take, good people he was those people were already either you know not they, he knew their hearts i guess is what i'm saying um so I, I think to me i have to just step back and remember that god understands a way more than i do and when i try to to take that the, the violence of of what happens in the bible i'm always trying to filter it through my lens and not through um you know the sovereignty of god he understands their hearts. He understands their motives. He understands what they're going to turn around and do. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm always trying to put it in context of me. Well, I'm nice. I've got a good heart. I love people, you know? So I, I think I have to, you know, really step back and filter and say, you know, there was one point where he says, um, I can't remember, but the land that those people were already um, idol worshipers and stuff like that. So he was already kind of laying some groundwork to say, Hey, these aren't, you know, people that are going to rise you up. These are the people that are going to pull you down. Um, so, that's, but yeah. let me tell you, it's still a struggle. It, I mean, it's not that it's been any easier the third time around to, to even digest that kind of stuff. Um, especially yeah. when, especially when things around the world happen. At, yes. This is the third time I have read the Bible. This is the third time there's been something crazy that happens in March. 
as I've as read getting, the Bible. Yes. Yeah. As you're reading about the plagues and the Red Sea and the, yeah. Don't yeah. tell me God's not real. Like, I mean, just don't tell me, <laughs> I mean, but really don't tell me that you can't read the Bible and that it's stagnant. You know what right. I mean? Right. I read, every time I've read the Bible in three different years, it's been three different wild things happening at Martha. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ethan, what do you think, man? Yeah. Um, when reading, I mean, Joshua especially, uh, it's just hard to stomach the death of all the people in Canaan. Um, but I think that's why it's so helpful that we're reading um, in the way we are, like canonically and reading kind of um, according to the timeline of the Bible. Uh, because I think, honestly, I think that we've been prepared for this moment. And it's not like this is coming out of nowhere. Um, and so if you look back, like at Leviticus 18, um, verses 24 through 30, talk about how God was aware of the sin that was happening in Canaan. And um, and then back even further in Genesis 15, um, God talks, this is when the Israelite, well, Joshua is about to go down to Egypt and all the people are about to go down to Egypt. And uh, one of the reasons they go to Egypt is because God says the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete meaning that he knows that there's sin in the land of Canaan, but it's not sin that he's ready to punish yet. Like he's being patient with them. And so mm -hmm. like Israel spending 400 years um, away from the land is not, just, uh, is not just Israel being enslaved, but it's also uh, the Lord being patient with the people there. And God seems to be working among not just Israel, but different people groups. So uh, earlier in the Bible, we have Melchizedek, who Abraham comes across, uh, who seems to be a priest of the Lord. Right. Uh, we've read recently about Balaam and uh, in the book of Numbers and how he is supposed to curse Israel, right? But he receives visions from the Lord in several occasions and even speaks the word of the Lord um, to these other people and says, no, these are Israel is a blessed people. Right. Um, and so we have these glimpses of moments where it's like, man, the Lord isn't just working among the Levites of Israel, but he's, he's working uh, among these other nations too. So, uh, and then finally, I think also Deuteronomy warns us uh, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, and then especially like chapter 28 and chapter 30, when we talk about the blessings and curses, um, the Lord is telling the people of Israel, hey, if, if you sin against me, if you rebel against me, if you go a different way, like the same fate is awaiting you. You will be kicked out of the land um, and someone else will come in and conquer this land. Uh, and as we read more of the Bible, we'll eventually get to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on the heels of what you were saying too about God being patient with the people that lived in the land, God is also, and I, and I hope we're starting to see this if we haven't already, God is also very, very quick to relent of the punishment that he's going to inflict on people when they repent, and we're going to see that over and over in the Bible. We'll see that with the Israelites. We'll see it when uh, Jonah goes to Nineveh. We'll see it uh, throughout the books of Kings. As you get into the histories, you know, you'll see kings that are kings of Israel who are evil people, but and, and who are having punishments kind of doled out on them, but who sometimes seem to have moments where they are like, okay, you know, God, please let off, and, and God does. So, Yes, God is just. Yes, God is holy. But he's also very quick to be merciful when people recognize their need for that and ask for it. I think also, and touching on what you talked about, Ellen, is what's going on in the world right now. I mean, as we're, yeah. as we're recording this, Ukraine is being invaded. I think it's easy for us. Uh, it's easy for people in Western civilization that grew up in the late 20th century that are now going through the 21st century to, to look at stories like this and... and be offended by them or, you know, wonder, you know, what's going on and that kind of thing. But, or, or even be offended that, you know, cause I think, I think we put so much value on God being a God of love and, and, you know, love wins and this, that, and the other in our culture. And we have issues with violence, but go to Ukraine right now and talk to a Ukrainian and try to tell them, you know, God is loving and merciful and, and, Oh, don't worry about justice. Just kind of forgive everybody. Because I tell you like just yesterday, the United States, declared that there are Russian soldiers that have committed war crimes in Ukraine. So go tell a Ukrainian that like God's not a God of justice right now. Like that's yeah. not going to go over well because they're going to they're going to really hope for that. There's a great quote by a Yale theologian named Miroslav Volf. He, he grew up in Cro Croatia and um, 
Croatia went through a very similar type of, you know, what, what's happening right now, had, had a civil war of their own. And this is what he says. He says, if God was not angry at injustice and deception and did not make a final end to violence, that God would not be worthy of worship. The only means of prohibiting all recourse to violence by ourselves is to insist that violence is legitimate only when it comes from God. My thesis that the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in vengeance will be unpopular with many in the West, but it takes the quiet of a suburban home for the birth of the, th of the thesis that human nonviolence results from the belief in God's refusal to judge. In a sun-scorched land soaked in the blood of the innocent, it will invariably die with other pleasant captivities of the liberal mind. So what he's saying is where people have the power, where people have the, uh, when we talk about Christianity and we talk about the, the motive to forgive others or to live in such a way that we are loving, that we love our neighbors, that we love our enemies, we get that capacity from the belief that God is a God of justice and that in the end, God's going to work it out. It's not up to me to work it out. Like God will work it out. And so because God's going to take care of things, I don't have to, I can forgive. I can be loving towards my enemies, that sort of thing. And so what he's saying is it's, it takes the relative security of, you know, uh, being in a society like we are to, to insist that um, that's not a, that, that, that doesn't come from belief in, and a God of justice to, to just think that like, oh, like we can be loving to everybody. It doesn't really matter. I think the other thing, and I think you guys alluded to this too, you know, we don't know what these people were doing beforehand. We're not really given a lot of that. We, I mean, we know that they're doing some evil practices. There's been a lot of, if you, if you get into like deeper, like scholarly works about this, there's definitely some practices going on in the land where there's ch child sacrifice and, you know, uh, taking advantage of women and, and uh, people who are part part not a part of their nation. Um, there's a um, there's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German theologian who lived in the 1940s, who was a part of an assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler. And he, he at one point wrote and said, um, if I sit next to a madman as he drives a car into a group of innocent bystanders, I cannot, as a Christian, simply wait for the catastrophe and then comfort the wounded and bury the dead. I must try to wrestle the steering wheel out of the hands of the driver. And so for him, like he was justifying his participation in an assassination attempt on Adolf Hitler. Uh, and so I think we have to kind of take accounts like that into into account here as well. Um, just to say, like, we don't know everything that was going on. God does. Probably the people of the land do. And perhaps this is a measure of, of God using justice uh, in order to help the people that did live there in the land. And we can, I mean, I'm trying to summarize this in like three minutes and we could spend four weeks on this. I think also, like, the other thing that we have to consider is um, there's generally among scholars a belief that there's probably also some hyperbole going on here that... Uh, when they say that they completely annihilated the people and this, that, and the other. A, there's a few times in the Bible where, in the book of Joshua, where it'll say, like, they annihilated the Canaanite, the Canaanites, and then, like, three chapters later, you'll come across, like, you know, what do we do with these Canaanites? Well, they obviously didn't annihilate them, number one. So there's a bit of hyperbole going on with that. There's also evidence of that happening elsewhere in the ancient Near East. So there's actually a, a document or a stone or something that, that they've unco uncovered from Egypt that talks about the annihilation of the Israelites from an Egyptian perspective. Now, obviously that didn't happen because we still have the Israelites that, you know, they're still around. So there's probably just, it, it, I think it just was a common thing in that day when you defeated someone in battle to just kind of talk about like, oh, we completely destroyed them. We do that similarly today with our sports metaphors. You know, we'll say like, oh, we killed them. You know, like Alabama killed everybody. That's what, that's what Ellen says every Saturday and Ethan says every Saturday in the fall, right? So like we, we use that, we're used to that kind of language. So there's probably some of that going on. And then some scholars also talk about the fact that, or the idea that these were probably more like military outposts, a lot of these kind of cities. Um, and so the presence of women and children, there probably weren't that many. Um, and so it was probably more like military towns. And, and we don't know what may have happened as Ethan talked about. I think the fact that you have Melchizedek, you have um, Balaam, if you get into Joshua, you have Rahab, who the spies get to Rahab, and she says, hey, we've heard all about what the Lord has been doing and how he's been using you. Well, how have they heard? Because all the people are back across the Jordan. So somehow, like, word is spreading. And I don't know if God's sending angels or whatever, but, like, there is at least 
an allusion to the fact that, that people are being warned. Um, we will see elsewhere in the Bible that some people, even as the Israelites are going through the desert, they have Egyptians with them. We'll see other, other times in the Bible where people of other nations get woven into the people of God. So we just don't know how much of that is going on. We don't know how much of maybe people have been warned and those who, who took heed to the warning like left the area and those who didn't stayed and they were a part of the ones that were defeated. I say all that to say like we have to take with these stories, um, the, the other things that are going on in the Bible, the other things that we are going to discover. I think it is okay to get to this point in the Bible and to wonder and to say, um, man, like I've talked before about the Bible being a story about how we get back to the garden. And one of the questions that, that it brings up in there is, are people still good? And I think as you read the story, you, you discover, no, they're, they're really not. Uh, but God still loves them anyway. God still tries to work with them. I think you can get into these kind of stories, and I think you could legitimately ask the question, like, man, is God good? You know, and I think I think this, these kind of stories present that to you, to us as um, as readers. But I think with that, you have to keep reading. You have to keep taking in the, the context, the whole picture that we're going to get of who God is, of the heart that God has for humanity. And, and you just have to you just have to keep going. It's like I said before um, last time when when I compared it to a Christmas carol that, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is going through a night and he's being escorted by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. And he's, he's there, he's seeing and feeling what these people see and, and feel, but they don't know that he's there. So he's just invited to kind of participate in this with them. And it's the same way for us as we read these stories. We're being taken along by the hand of the Holy Ghost, and we're, we're seeing these things that are happening. We're invited to see them. We're invited to feel them. And I think a part of feeling disturbed by these stories is a part of the Spirit's work in us to show us that, man, like when when we try to rely on ourselves to to meet out God's just justice, like it's a disaster. It's ugly. So I think if we can sit in this and we can allow this to discomfort us, that is a good thing. And keep reading because you'll keep you'll keep learning about the people of God. You'll keep learning about the nature of God and the heart of for God. And I think the answer does get the question does get answered that yes, God is good. And I think you'll come to find this. You just have to keep reading. Any thoughts before we move on? It's just heavy. It's just it hard. is heavy. It is. It's hard yeah. to read for sure. Just push through. <laughs> just push through. Yeah. So we'll move on. We'll we'll um segue into our next uh next section after this break. Okay, so uh, next topic, we're going to talk about any additional insights you guys have from the books of Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Judges. Anything uh, that we that not really concerning the violence, but just other things that you took away. Tiffany, you got anything for us? I do. So, um, if you've listened to previous episodes, I think I've mentioned like how foreigners have been standing out to me on this reread. Um, you know, God a lot of time, and you know. Later, Genesis and Leviticus says, treat the foreigners as yourselves for your foreigners in the land of Egypt. And that just sticks with me. Like, we're a great nation. America is. I feel like we can take on a lot more than what we do. So why do we close borders? God says to treat, you know, foreigners as you basically would want to be treated because you were foreigners before. Um, and also, he's just so inclusive with that. Because when in Leviticus and in, in Numbers and in Deuteronomy, because let me tell you something, the Bible repeats itself a lot. It may not be word for word, but there are a lot of themes that keep on coming in is that when they're doing their sacrifices and it's like, and if there's a foreigner among you, they must do it this way. And if there's a foreigner and we're making atonement for everyone, that also covers the foreigner. And if you harvest your field, you know, don't, don't harvest all the way to the edges, leave it for mm -hmm. the outcast, leave it for the orphan and the widow and for the foreigners, you know, yeah. so there's compassion there, you know, you can be included. So to compare it like with the violence down the road, I think if those Amorites or whomever they come in contact with, if a portion of them would have come to live inside the Israel camp as an Israelite, even though they're a foreigner and to adhere, I think they would have bypassed. They would have, you know, indirectly gotten the blessing because I'll bless those who bless you. And Israel is supposed to be a blessing to the nations. Um, not that they just are supposed to have it and covet it. It's supposed to go out to everyone. It's supposed to yeah. be an inclusive um, an inclusive thing. So I think that really stood out to me. Um, also, you know, do not be afraid as in Deuteronomy a lot. Um, because yeah. Israel was a small nation. And it says in 
Deuteronomy 7 7, God chose Israel because they were few in number. He didn't choose them because they were great in number. So right. it's David and Goliath, but before David and Goliath. You know, That's like a they great point. are yeah. the underdog going out, but God will personally fight for you and he's there with you. And so you should take heart and be courageous and love the God, uh, your God, with your whole entire being. Um, and yeah, I just share it. So God is good all the time. Yeah. All the time, God is good. That's right. That's a great insight. I really like that, the David and Goliath thing, too. That was, that was really good. And I think. Uh, on the heels of that too we have to remember Exodus 19 6 I think it is where God tells the people like you are to be a kingdom of priests and a role of a priest was to be a mediator between humanity and God and, and that was the role the whole nation was supposed to, to serve as in that area in the promised land Israel is a very strategic location it's a it's, it's sort of the middle of a highway between you know Africa and the Middle East and up into Asia and Europe and so it would have been a, a place where a lot of travel would have gone on um, back and forth for commercial reasons, trade, that kind of thing. Um, even even armies marching into battle to get to one place or another. Um, so, yeah, they were supposed to they had a very strategic location to serve this role as being a mediator between the nations and God. And they sort of fumbled that up. So, um, yeah, great, great observations and points there. Ellen, what about you? Additional insights. Um, so I. um I feel like every time I do this, it's something that needs to be worked on in my heart. Yes. <laughs> every time I find these little insights. So um, what I really um, kind of just rolled around in my head a little bit was in Deuteronomy like three and four. So it's day 71 uh, reading, um, but it's where uh, Moses is talking to the younger generation. He's kind of recapping everything everybody's been through. Um, and he is told by God, he's not going to get to see, he's going to see the promised land, but he's not going to enter it. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. And that his role in that is to encourage and strengthen Joshua, right? Yeah. So to me, I kind of thought that was odd that that phrase got included in there because Moses was so good to intercede on behalf of the Israelites. Yeah. Um, so I thought to encourage and strengthen Joshua would have been um, easy for him. But I wonder if that was actually hard for him. Um, if it was kind of like a flip. So, you know, he's, God obviously knows what's about to take place in right. Joshua's reign, right? So he know it's going to be bad. Um, and so I wonder if maybe to have that piece in there to encourage somebody and to strengthen somebody who you don't know what they're about to go through. And yeah. Moses didn't know, you know, how you know crazy the next several years and kings would be. And so yeah. that base and foundation for Israel. So I wonder if, you know, if she talks about how leaders are held to a higher standard, if, if his, um, I hate to use the word punishment, but if his um, piece of that, because, you know, Moses didn't follow proper protocol from what God said, if he, you know, by striking the rock versus just telling the rock, if that's what he had to do to work some things out in his heart. So, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we put Moses up on a pedestal a little bit. And so I wonder if that was kind of, you know, God saying, you know, Moses wasn't perfect either. You know, there were some things that he had to work out. So I wonder if, you know, yeah. that was actually to me. No, that's kind of what stood out to me the most was that how how many times am I truly encouraging and strengthening somebody who I got told no for it, and it's their yes, you know, like it's their, it's a good thing for them, but it's a bad thing for me, and I have to be the positive one. Like where am I like that is so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That that's one of the things that like is hard for me. You're putting a bird in my saddle now. Um, <laughs> but you know what's really interesting too about that with Moses is, eventually we will see Moses in the Promised Land, because if you remember Jesus at the Transfiguration, who's he with? He's with Moses and Elijah. So like, even that. I mean, it's not in his human life on Earth, but God still has mercy on on Moses, and he has that really key moment uh, in the in the Gospels where like he's he's there and he's with. He's with the hope that uh, that was a part of that spark that he started so long ago in his time on on Earth. So, uh, you know, I find that interesting about his story as well. What about you, Ethan? Any additional insights from Numbers, Deuteronomy, or Judges? Hmm. Yeah, I absolutely love Deuteronomy, and it hasn't always been that way. Um, but over the past few years, I've come to love the Old Testament because the Old Testament is messy. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. It's full of imperfect leaders and people within Israel that are sinning and going the wrong way. Um, 
And so much of it is a story, right? It's, it's so much of it is narrative. And right. yeah. I think, you know, in our own lives, we are living in a messy, uh, sometimes sinful story. Um, yeah. And, but all throughout the Old Testament, you find these glimpses and these images, these shadows that point forward to what's coming, right. uh, what, who is coming. Um, and it, I think it gets exciting for me because that's how the gospel connects to me in my life so often. Right. It's not this big, obvious Jesus appearing incarnate before me, but instead I'm living my messy story and it's hard. But I'm getting these glimpses of hope and uh, these promises of what God has for me. And so um, over the past few years, I've, lo- I've learned to love the Old Testament because it's almost easier for me to connect with in some ways. And that's why I love Deuteronomy. So a few chapters I'll point you to specifically is um, I think it's really important to read Deuteronomy 17 and 18. Uh, as we go forward these next, especially like the next month or two, when we get into Judges and Kings and Samuel, um, Deuteronomy 17 tells us what God expects of kings of Israel. Um, And I think this chapter, those four or five verses that talk about it are so important because I think a lot of the Old Testament writers expect us to know this. Like, it won't always say straight up, like, this was a bad king and he was doing something wrong here. But I think the Old Testament expects us to know, like, he's making foreign treaties with another nation to protect himself. And that's not what God wanted, because God wanted all of Israel to rely solely on him. Um, And so I think that chapter is important. Deuteronomy 18 is about the prophets. Uh, They have a pretty high standard. They have to be accurate 100% of the time. Uh, (laughs) They do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And... So we'll see in the future, we'll see prophets who come and um, they will tell Israel, hey, don't worry uh, about Babylon. Uh, they're not going to hurt you guys. Like, it's going to be fine. Um, and obviously, they are not right about that. There's going to be a lot of people who uh, just speak like sweet truths or sweet, sweet lies um, and just try to appease the people. So I think those chapters are really important as we read the rest of the Old Testament. Um And I also love the end of Deuteronomy, uh, chapters 28 through 30. Um, Just these issuings of like blessings and curses is what Mm -hmm. it's labeled in most Bibles. But really, um, I think they can almost be read as a prophecy um, of what is going to happen next. And really, like, if you wanted to summarize the Old Testament in two chapters, I would read Deuteronomy 28 and then Deuteronomy 30. Um, Because you get this picture of, just absolute tragedy in Deuteronomy 28, like a people receiving blessing and then absolutely squandering it yeah. and going their own way and doing what's right in their own eyes and, and not doing it like once, but doing it for generations, teaching their kids to, to follow uh, their own paths instead of following the Lord and doing yeah. this over and over. And the, the consequences of these things uh, are just brutal. Um, yeah. Like they are going to experience the the very warfare that they are about to deliver upon the Canaanites. It's going to happen to them um, because they are going to rebel in the same or maybe even worse ways. Uh, but then Deuteronomy 30 is so sweet in that context of like, th- that is not the end of the story for Israel. Yeah. Um, and it's not the end of the story for you or for me either. Uh, and so that is such a chapter of hope for me personally. It's one that I've held on to dearly in the past few years. Um, and I hope it's something that gives you hope as well as we continue through the Bible. And so I think if you're ever struggling uh, in your reading or to understand, um, you know, where is the goodness in this chapter or in this book, I would go back to Deuteronomy 28 and 30 and know that, yeah, there's bad things that are coming and there are consequences for sin that we're bringing upon ourselves, but also the Lord isn't giving up and he's not gone and he's not absent. Um, and he has a plan uh, to overcome all of it uh, for your good and for his glory. Um, and so those are some of my favorite chapters. And I yeah. would love if we could kind of revisit some of those as we continue forward. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting. And I don't 
I can't off the top of my head remember exactly. It's it's in the the context of chapters that you were talking about, but it's when Moses is I wrote in my Bible about it, but it's where he's saying he's saying, you know, if you choose this, like you'll be blessed. If you choose this, you'll you'll die. And it's almost like he's presenting to people again the like it's almost like the the garden narrative again where it's like choose this don't choose this don't that's the one fruit you can't eat right and as you're reading that one of the notations i wrote was they're being presented with this opportunity again there's a hope that they're going to do the right thing but it's almost like buried underneath that moses knows they're not going to they're not going to and that leads us into the rest of you know what we're going to find in joshua judges and, and on and on but uh, here's my before we get into that. Here's my takeaway, and it's more of a. This is not. I'm I, I'm the full time experienced minister here, but I'm not going to give you spiritual wisdom. I'm going to just find something that I thought was very very comical. So, uh, the books of the law, which is what you guys have just done. So if you've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that's the Torah, and that's the, called the books of the law, the books of Moses. And the reason they're called the books of Moses is because traditionally it is believed that Moses was the, if not the author of them, at least the source of, of the majority of the stories. Now we know Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. He can't write about his own death. So yes, there was someone who came along and who did that. But, but for the most part, like it is traditionally believed, and and it's pretty, it's pretty, um, uh, it, it's not problematic to just you know go ahead with that assumption or with that belief, but it's believed that Moses is the source of all this. But I, I love Numbers chapter twelve verse three. It says now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on the earth. And I'm just like, how, how if you're the source of this, how are you are, are the one that that gets to say that that line? Because I want to I want to drop that at some point in time. Like when Emily and I are having a disagreement, like, hey, I just need you to know, like, I'm more humble than anybody else on on the earth. You know, like it's so it's so awesome, and I just love that that little detail in there when we factor in that Moses is probably the source of all that. So not really a spiritual nugget, but more of a comical one uh, that uh, I just got to kick out of and, and highlight it. He does embellish often. He does. Know, it's, in, it's in Deuteronomy. He's like, and because of the sins of all y'all, I went to intercede and God said, no, no, Moses, you don't get to go into the Holy Land. And it's like, hold up. Wait a minute. Let's rewind because you struck the rock when God said, just speak to it. You struck the rock before because that's what was said. And now he's like, hey, yo, go speak to it. And then you like hit it. I think he hits it twice, right? He doesn't even hit it once. He's like, yeah. anger, anger, yeah. Um, which I see a lot in me. I'm like, that's not good. And then he's, then he's like a liar. He's like gaslighting the Israelites. Like it's just fault. It's like, no, dude, you sucked. <laughs> yeah. You didn't yeah. know what you were supposed to do. He, so he embellishes. Yeah, for sure. That he does. So, well, we'll come back in just a moment and we'll, we'll kind of wrap this segment up or this episode up. But uh, yeah, stay tuned. Right, so this is the part of the show where we take listener Q and A. So, I've checked with my sources, and uh, according to Tiffany, Ellen, Ethan, we don't have any listener Q and A today. So, no questions about all this. And I think we've kind of addressed, like we've solved, like people have been talking about this for thousands of years, but like we've we've figured it out today on our on our episode. So I don't think we'll we'll have any more questions from this. But. Uh, Ellen, I know, you know, we were talking beforehand about the questions and you had a, you speculated about what it might mean that we don't have, uh, don't, we don't have any questions today. What? It makes me nervous. It makes me feel yeah. like people fell off, which is seriously, this is the time. I mean, honestly, if you're going to fall off, this is the point in which you're going to fall off. But this is the point where I encourage you and I challenge you dig your heels in. Um, yes. it's like, you know how Taylor Swift has like these little Easter eggs. No in her like music videos or in like things that she drops. Okay, so God is like the ultimate Easter egg dropper, right? Like he yeah. has has just sprinkled enough Jesus in here to make you keep coming back. Yeah. Find those Easter eggs, like make that your challenge for the next two months. I, it's, I'm, I'm not even gonna like sugarcoat the next two months of reading. It's not, going to be easy but it is going to be so 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 worth it when yeah. you push through this there is some redeeming parts like even like what you said about the deuteronomy you know 28 and 30 like 
I didn't actually view that stuff that way and, and redeeming of, so now I'm going to go back and read it with that kind of, you know what I mean? Redeeming quality of it. It's not really the redeeming part that I took it. So, you know what I mean? Like I just challenge you to dig your heels in, do it, do it, do it, do it. Find yeah. the Easter eggs. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no idea what your Taylor Swift reference was about. Okay, so I agree she, with that. No, I, I, I get the idea. I've heard it before, but like, I'm not a, I'm not a big not a Taylor Swift. I'm but not I mean, a like, it, it's not, not even bad. that you're a Swifty. It's the, it's the fact that she has tremendous branding in yeah. her stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, no, 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 no. God she's really the good. ultimate brander. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's one of the things I like about really good storytelling. I mean, Hamilton's really good at this. The MCU is really good at this. They like they lay groundwork. Where like when you do a rewatch, you see stuff that you're like, oh, I didn't even notice that the first time. And I do know enough about Taylor Swift to know that about her. So yeah, and and you're you're totally right. I think, and, and you're seeing this. Like the more you read the Bible, the more you start to see these things over and over. And you're like, holy cow! And you, you start connecting all these dots that you you don't get when you don't read it. You don't get when you read it one time. Uh, and so yeah, that's that's part of the beauty of it. I do think you know. So this is where in the previous epi- episodes we've we've kind of talked about a um, incentive that we have for for reading so we are um we talked about t-shirts in the past but i think we're going to have like a grand t-shirt at the end so get all the way through the bible and if you read or listen to every verse like we'll have a t-shirt but in the meantime we're going to have stickers to go right yeah i think so so my ultimate dream would be at the end of all this we all get together in our t-shirts and we take a picture and we frame it somewhere like like yeah. it's, it's a proud moment when you finish the Bible, you should be proud of yourself and you should be proud yeah. of yourself when you do it with other people. I, I think that's, um, yeah. I think that's great. So that is my ultimate dream. So please, I'm begging you this time. Let's have a picture of all of us together in our t-shirts at the end yeah. of this. But yeah. in the meantime, there are stickers. Yeah. And so our first sticker is going to be a reference from the book of Judges and, um, I'll let I'll let us complete the book of Judges before we unveil what the sticker is going to be, but I'll just give you a clue. It's going to involve a tent peg, so um, just know that. And then and then the the you know qualification for getting the sticker is that you've you've read every word up to that point or listened to every word up to that point as we've as we've, as we've mentioned before. So if you are behind right now, we've talked about this before too. Catch up however you can. If you just absolutely have to just say, hey, I'm I'm so far behind, and I just need to jump in. And start, you know, start wherever we are, whatever day we're on. That's totally fine. Do that. You can catch up. Uh, you you can go back to that other stuff another time. You can batch read it. You can listen to it as Ellen has talked about before. That is a really great way to catch up. And as we've said before, don't frown on listening to scripture. That is how followers of Jesus and followers of God have taken the scripture into their lives for thousands of years because they didn't have personal copies of the Bible. So if you have to listen to it being read to you while you're washing the dishes or whatever, that's better than not doing it. So don't frown on that in any way, shape, or form. Um, the other thing I want to talk about as you read the book of Judges, Judges to me is even worse than Joshua. Um, it is disturbing. And I think the takeaway that I want to leave with you as you as you go through that is to... Um, to be disturbed by it, to get through it, but keep in mind the very last verse of the book of Judges. The last verse says something to the effect of the people did whatever they pleased because there was no king in the land. And so the point of what the author of Judges is is telling you, he's not condoning what's happening in the book or whatever. He's, I think he's actually painting for us how terrible things have gotten. And he's kind of placing our hope into a coming king. And then you cannot read the book of Judges. Um, did I say Joshua earlier? I meant Judges. But you cannot read the book of Judges separately apart from the book of Ruth. Because Ruth comes right after. And what Judges is leading us to is to the story of Ruth. And really there's a ton of opposites between what happens in Judges and what happens in Ruth. So you know, Ruth, you have the incorporation of uh, foreigners into the family of God. You have Boaz as a ruler contrasted against uh, some of the rulers we find in the book of Judges. And then you find what what does that lead to for us? It leads to King David because Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. So he's given us judges to, uh, the author's given us judges to prepare us um, for placing a hope in a king. And then and then we go we jump right into Ruth where uh, we're kind of given the origin stories of that the line of that of that king, and as we read on, we'll we'll learn more about that king and um, where we should place our hope and things like that. But just kind of keep that in mind as you do it. And and I tend to look at as well 
um, Joshua and Judges as sort of the first major division in the in the story of how do we get back to the garden? Because, um, and what I mean by that is like if we if this were a movie today, the book of Joshua would be like the end of the first movie. It would be like all right, like we made it back to the land, yay! And you'd be like full of hope, and you'd be like, it's it's there. And then like Judges starts out like the sequel. And it's like disaster right away. And, and so you're like, what in the world? Like, what has happened? And and that, that leads you into the next part of the story, which is longing for a king. So that's kind of a, a, a way that I try to look at it and try to tell other people to look at it as well. Any additional thoughts you guys want to share before we wrap this up? I do want to apologize if we have any converted Jewish friends or Jewish friends who listen. Moses was great. He was a good dude. I know he's highly esteemed in, in, uh, in the Old Testament. But he is very human. So that's all. I'm sorry if I offended you about my Moses sucked statement. I don't I don't think you did, but um on the on the heels of that we talked about um converted Jews. I want to say, Ellen, do you have any information for us about our Passover Seder? Uh we gotta nail down that date. I think we were I was waiting on everything official to come out on the church's side, uh, to make sure we didn't overlap um some stuff on uh Easter week. So yeah. uh, um I will definitely that my mission for this week to get all that out. sounds good so we'll put information about that in our group me if you're in there we'll put it on our website fbchsv.org slash young adults and then we will put it on our social media and things like that as well so it is time to put a bow on this month's episode thank you guys so much for being with us ethan thanks for being our special guest co-star thanks you, for you, having you me great, it was a, it was, yeah it was really fun yeah, absolutely. I hope Caroline gives it a listen because you did great. You should be proud. And then you can tell her, Caroline, I'm the most humble of all the people on the earth. So <laughs> if you are uh, if you're listening along with us or watching via YouTube, hey, give us a like, give us a share, give us a follow, leave a comment, uh, whatever it is. Just let us know you're there. We'd love to uh, to just know. We'd love to have that positive feedback. And then if you have any questions about our upcoming readings or even questions about things that we've already read, maybe you're maybe you stumbled upon our podcast a month ago and you're trying to catch up or you're in Genesis or Exodus or whatever right now, send us some questions as you have. We'd love to answer them on an upcoming show. So with all that said, thank you to you all. Thank you to Ellen for also being our graphic designer who did our, our cover art for this series. Thank you to Patrick Chester, who is our like master editor who, who kind of cleans this up and polishes it. And uh, that's all I've got. So We'll see you guys in a few weeks as we wrap up our next section in Scripture. Take care until then.